Does everybody know what time it is? It's Christmas time again! What did you get me? Uh, a new episode of Gruntwork! Hey! But I've already got one. Welcome to Gruntwork, everybody, the all-inclusive podcast about the TV show Home Improvement. I'm Landon. I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus under the Christmas tree, Ooh. Solano. Joined always by Truman, his heart grew three sizes that day, Caps. Oh, and then I died the next day because that was cholesterol that made it grow. <laughs> why they tell you not to get a turducken for Christmas, I can't stress that enough. We're also going to cut out all the koji burritos we have uh, in between our episode recordings. Uh, are we? Are we going to do that? I don't, I'm not willing to give that up. If that's, if that's what it takes for me to stay alive, I would rather die. Fair. Uh, happy, happy holidays again? Merry I, I Christmas once it, again? It feels... It truly feels like we can never get out of any holiday on this show. We like we had real world Halloween, and yep. then right after we had Home Improvement Halloween, and then we had <laughs> yes. us Christmas, and then we had Home Improvement Christmas. Like we're just living through yeah. every holiday. Twice. Maybe maybe this will all align uh, at Easter. <laughs> <laughs> what the 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 resurrection is just that our timeline syncs up with the shows yeah well actually you know what um this is syncing up with my personal timeline oh true. Um, this is gonna get real mind warpy here but um as we mentioned last week i didn't have christmas um because i got sick and had to cancel my trip home but i rescheduled uh and i will be going to my parents uh house in florida uh to celebrate christmas uh in the second week of january which is the week after that we're recording this, but the week that this episode comes out. So I just want to say Merry Christmas, Landon. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, I think this is a Lifetime original Christmas movie about the podcaster who gets sick and can't go home for Christmas, but then he records a Christmas episode of his podcast to listen to on his late Christmas. <laughs> uh, starring Richard Karn as me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're really you're really seeding an entire uh, second win for the career of Richard Karn with your <laughs> lifetime Christmas movie ideas. <laughs> oh my goodness! But uh, otherwise, how are you, Truman? I'm doing great. I actually maybe it's maybe it's something in the air. Maybe it's all the residual mistletoe drifting out of the TV after this episode <laughs> of Home Improvement. But I actually. Uh, well, I've got a new fan theory. Oh, no. That's actually, that's what I got you for Christmas, <laughs> I, I, I suppose. I, I will wear it with pride, uh, okay. right along with my tie. Yeah, don't expect, uh, yeah, it's weird that you're still wearing that. I got that for you some time ago, and it seems as though you haven't taken it off, even in the shower. Never. Um, I don't know. So I just want, I just want to put this out there. This okay. is what came to me, and, and it makes sense to me. So, uh, in the 90s, there were a lot of other sitcoms on the air that were not Home Improvement. There were a handful. Uh, a few of them. And many of the most popular sitcoms were named after the main character on the show. Roseanne, Seinfeld. Yeah, Frasier, Ellen, Martin, The mm -hmm. Drew Carey Show. Uh, all these shows that where you know, the name of the show is, oh, that's the person that the show is about. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Exactly. Not sure that was a 90s show, but... Yeah, uh, it was. was it? I thought 100%. it was an 80s show. No. Oh. 100% sure it's a 90s show. I knew it the whole time I was testing you. Uh, I gave you that opportunity to correct me as also a second Christmas gift. Actually, it's... Uh... Frankenstein. It's Mr. Cooper's monster. <laughs> uh, so, but in season two of Home Improvement, 
Uh, something that we've noticed is that uh, every every episode begins with the Home Improvement logo appearing on screen uh, and bouncing around me. or drifting through screen. <laughs> I think you mean the Grunt Creep. Yes, I'm sorry. The Grunt Creep, the, uh, the personified Home Improvement logo appears on screen. So at first I just thought, okay, this is just some whimsy on the part of the creators of the show. This yeah. is just them engaging in the same sort of high-spirited editing that brought us all these transitions. What else could it possibly be? Well, I realized... All these successful TV shows that are named after the main character on the show, what if the creators of Home Improvement after season one thought, hey, you know what this show needs to really go to the hype, get us into hyperdrive? We need to name this show after the main character. And so mm. one of the interns or something is like, uh, uh, Mr. Finiestra, uh, maybe we could call it Tim Allen or, or Tim Taylor. And he says, no, no, we already named it Home Improvement. We need to create a character named Home Improvement and put them on the show. <laughs> and who better... To be the literal title character of Home Improvement than a character made out of the title of the show. Wow. The, uh, and to know that this this uh, grunt creep does grow legs and arms and a sentience. Oh, yes. Um, Becomes a little mischievous trickster god of the yeah, series. Yeah, there, there is some uh, legs to this theory, I think. I, yes, and it uses them to walk all over the screen during <laughs> during commercial bumpers. I You know, and... and also, further lending credence to that, the the title for Home Improvement, The Grunt Creep, has had way more to do this season than Pamela Anderson. She is nowhere to be found. She doesn't exist in this season. Well, she she is trapped in a calendar. We catch the yeah, briefest glimpse in this episode. That's true. Um, and, eh, you know, I'm going to hold off. It's not, the bouncer hasn't opened the door to Pam's Corner quite yet. Oh, there's a uh, bouncer now. There's yeah. a velvet rope situation. You've been replaced. God. <laughs> I'm not at the, I just opened the door. I'm like a Walmart greeter. I'm not a bouncer. <laughs> well, we are replacing you with a bouncer. Oh wow! Um, and this, next, uh, next Walmart. You, you, so look you, out! You people sold out, man. Pam's Corner used to be about Pam. Now it's just about money. <laughs> You've forgotten the true meaning of Pamela Anderson. <laughs> um, I like that theory a lot. Thank you. And uh, I am I'm willing to write a spec script. <laughs> For a spinoff starring the Home Improvement logo. We gotta stop promising these things because, like, it was all well and good when we had the whole show ahead of us. But now we're kind of getting ankle deep in here. Uh, it's very true. I, I have a little, uh, two two little bullet points we'll do real quickly here yeah. for this, uh, to f- finish up this preamble. Um, I do sit-ups every once in a while, believe good, it or not. Good for you, man. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> um, I use an app that, uh, you know, kind of helps you through each uh, a couple times a week. <clears throat> Does it and- hold your toes down? <laughs> It does. It spots you. <laughs> it has a little logo that pops out and grows legs and all. <laughs> it's, and it's also called the grunt creep because you are grunting when you do some sit-ups. It's true. Um, anyhow, you know, just like any of these free apps, they have the advertisements after you complete a, a task or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this one, um, it's not even an advertisement. I can't explain what this is. It blew my mind. I finish a, a rep of, of uh, sit-ups and then this pops up on my screen. I'm going to hand it to you, and you can describe what you're looking at. Ah, make some word pictures. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the ad that pops up, it is a it is a picture of probably a current day Tim Allen in an interview setting looking sad. And the caption, which was totally created by a real human and not a malfunctioning computer algorithm, says... Tim fired for confession, colon, bedroom secret revealed, and then beneath that in uh, in smaller text, exclusive, exclamation point. 
Um, I there, think there's no uh, website. I mean, no. you would click on it and it would take you there, but it's it's literally an advertisement for nothing. It's an advertisement for the for the notion that Tim Allen has been wrapped up in some sort of scandal. <laughs> and I'll say, I think the bedroom secret that's revealed is that he's not very good in bed. And frankly, Jill has told us that secret in every yeah. episode. Uh, not an exclusive, calling bullshit. Yeah. Um. And so that was that. I just found that very weird. Yeah. <laughs> to see Tim Allen pop up after you finished doing sit-ups was just like, it threw me through a loop. Yeah, that's a real, uh, that's that's an interesting reward for doing your workout is seeing an old, sad Tim <laughs> Allen. Oh, man, I just did my 100 sit-ups for the day. Yeah, 100 sit-ups. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you added I more got, power to your workout. I did. Got to reward myself by trashy clickbait. Yeah, well, I mean, I this is the thing. At least you have a reward system in there. I just look at (laughs) clashy trick bait, no matter what. (laughs) Clashy trick bait. Clashy trick bait. I started to. I realized halfway through that I was saying it wrong, and I was like, I can either say it the right way and then say it the wrong way for laughs, or just go full bore with the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I support you, and you know who else supports you? Who does? Uh, Our new onslaught of Facebook followers. Oh yeah, them, those guys and girls and girls. Yes. Uh, I got, yeah. Um, and you were about to you were about to second guess whether women actually listen to this. I know. No, there's no, no. At least I was going to say, isn't guys just ubiquitous for everybody? But then that plays into the whole power structure, okay. gender, blah, blah blah. Okay, well, break the glass for the gendered uh, power dynamics <laughs> discussion, and the next thirty minutes start now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we we opened it up. Uh, we haven't been doing too much with our Facebook, but um, finally reached out to a bunch of people, and we've got a huge response. So. Um, for the people that are listening beyond just supporting by liking our page, uh, thank you, and that's awesome. Yeah, and and you know to uh, yeah, I mean from the from the get go here, we uh, we kind of were hesitant at first to heavily promote our podcast to all of our our close friends and everyone on Facebook because it's like who knows if we're even good at this? Who knows? <laughs> Uh, who knows if we're gonna if we were gonna keep doing this? We weren't sure. And, and when then, are we gonna get those answers? I, I know. I mean, hopefully, hopefully by the end of this year. I was thinking <laughs> that Christmas would bring some clarity. Yeah. But uh, no. But it, it's it's been really positive, and so we decided, hey, let's let's tell the people uh, people closest to us about it, yeah. and the response from them has been really positive, and. I guess what I want all of you who've been listening from the start to take away from this is that you were just our guinea pigs. You were just our <laughs> test subjects for our totally untested podcast. So if like, so if if down the road you start like, uh, you know, getting uh, uh, you know, uh, extra like arms growing out of your head and weird mutations and deformities from our uh, totally unshielded, untested podcasting, uh, don't come crying to us because you listen at your own risk. Um, I do not necessarily share Truman's sentiments. Oh, okay. You want to you want to pay out for all those lawsuits uh, from people we poisoned with our with our amateur podcasting? Uh, no, I don't. You're right. Um, I, and also to everyone who was negatively impacted by that first episode that I sent out mixed as stereo, I I truly do apologize for that. And there is a victims uh, relief fund that I have established. Uh, I do want to call our um our first listeners uh the OGs. The OG. Which would be the original Gruntheads. Oh, we should call them that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know who you are. So uh, beyond those thanks, let's give them what they're listening for. Uh, we watched an episode. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean it's not the fart jokes? Oh, they watched. Well, I it was a transition. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a raspberry sound transition into the show. Um, 
Yeah, we watched uh, a Christmas episode of Home Improvement. Yes, it, it, it is. And let's keep introducing our synopses that way. <laughs> um, do you have a synopsis for us? Oh, Landon, I do, as though we arranged it this way. Uh, so, it's Christmas, and all of the Taylors are getting into the holiday spirit. Tim has built an elaborate light display on his front lawn that blinds the entire neighborhood, while Brad and Randy are going door-to-door collecting money for charity. When Tim and Jill catch Brad and Randy trying to steal some of the charity money they've raised, they're shocked that their kids could be so dishonest. (gasps) That's so good for Abs. I love that. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) But afterwards, the guilt-ridden boys not only return the stolen money but also dig up bags of their own possessions that they can donate to charity as well. Aww. Clap, 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 clap. Meanwhile, on the set of Tool Time, Tim is forced to deal with Maureen's micromanagement while trying to produce a Christmas special with musical guests, inexplicably, the Manhattan Transfer. (laughs) 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 Scooby-dooby-dooby-dooby-dooby-doo-bop 90s. Uh, and that is, um, that is the synopsis for this extremely plot-light Christmas episode. It is. Uh, it really reminded me of uh, season one and a few of those episodes that just are seem to be and exist as a slice of life, and that's all we get. A slice of really goofy slapstick life. I yeah. will say that this episode, it, the the Christmas episode of season one, which which really stands out mostly for having the all time highest number of grunts. Uh, that one seemed like a plot light episode at the time, but then this episode makes that episode look uh, like it's just weighed <laughs> it's down. The James Joyce of Christmas episodes. <laughs> it is the Dune of Christmas episodes <laughs> compared to this Christmas episode. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, it's still fun. There's still stuff to talk about, but uh, yeah, this is a this was a light one. Yeah, it was. Um, let's dig into it a little bit. Um, so. We get the cold open at uh, tool time. No, it's not yeah, tool time. No, it's on the couch yeah, at home we, today. We do get a... Wow, look at that. It threw me through a loop. Guess what? I'm going to retire that phrase right now. I, you are, can hold me to it. Okay, well, A, I'm going to forget that you said that. <laughs> B, are you going to remember that you... Like, we've said before we're going to retire phrases. And I did. I did. I haven't said poke the bear in a long time. You said it to me in the alley walking to get a burrito right before we recorded in this. In reference to having retired it. How many more times? But now it's in your head. You've said it twice tonight now. It's true. It might Beads come out. Beads of sweat trickling down Landon's forehead <laughs> that already. That might come out of retirement, but uh, through me through a loop is going into retirement. That'll come back in season three. Who knows what we'll get in season four. Is this like the Disney vault with your phrases? Like, hear, yes, hear exactly. him say poke the bear now before it goes in the Disney vault for 50 years. <laughs> and our OG club can actually redeem anything out of the vault with enough Disney points. So, <laughs> Wow, we've really uh, we've really monetized this in probably the worst possible way. <laughs> hear Landon say things that we don't even like hearing him say in the first place. Um, okay, so we do get this cold open. Um, and it <laughs> is cold because it's snowing on screen. It is. And, and one of the things that's getting snowed on is the grunt creep uh gently falling down from the top of the screen to the bottom um could this be part of the snow globe of the tommy westfall universe <laughs> jesus whatever well you know there's a lot of snow drifting through the scene it, like in transitions in this yeah. episode so it really feels like like this moment of home improvement is one where tommy is really shaking that <laughs> yeah. shaking that orb really trying to get that inspiration um but we open with and, and this is what he comes up with <laughs> jill and mark uh we open with uh, are looking through a basket which looks suspiciously like a Easter basket. Yeah, because uh, they're pulling out like that fake grass and everything, and mm-hmm. they're looking for something it, a ch- cheese. I think so. This is the worst telegraphed piece of visual comedy on the show yet. I would say it almost felt like 
it during rehearsals they were like oh we gotta open with something we gotta have a little intro before tim bursts in we gotta just throw something together what what do we have on the the catering table here get a basket and put some grass in it or something like they, it felt very thrown together yeah like they're they're going through and they're pulling these things out and saying like oh i didn't expect i i thought i didn't expect they'd be the actual this actual size and she compares it to the photo in the catalog but who buys cheese out of a catalog it's well very... 90s people look <laughs> fair i would wager there are probably at least 10 million people a year in this country alone who buy their cheese off the internet. So I'm sure in the early 90s people would buy cheese from a catalog. Because catalogs were the internet of the 90s. Uh, Basically, that and those Britannica copies that the kids are running around with. Uh, Well, yeah, but I don't know. So I guess they ordered some kind of festive holiday cheese log, but the big joke is that the cheese logs are are tiny. They're like, uh, you know, they're... They're like like those uh, little snack cheeses that come in wax. Yeah, like a Baby Bell Brie. They're like the size of a a cigar, basically, (laughs) if not shorter than that. Um, But it just, you know, and the audience is going, the studio audience goes nuts for this, but we were scratching our heads. Maybe they're going nuts for the... uh, Nuts? the, The grunt creep. No. <laughs> yeah, because even after he even after he's off the screen, then he's just running around working the crowd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but this gives way to Tim to bust in the door to um, shout about the Christmas extravaganza light show that he's put on, um, uh, and, which Jill speculates is maybe to get uh, payback for uh, Doc Johnson of last year. And, and every year Doc Johnson year. beats him. Also, Doc Johnson was 76 years old last year. He's 77 years old this year. Yeah. It's really inspiring that a guy this old can get out in that kind of Michigan weather <laughs> and put up uh, lights to outdo Tim. Well, you know, there's been scientific research that has shown that uh, of all the occupations in the world, uh, being a proctologist is the one that keeps you youthful. <laughs> so there's the, the fountain we found the fountain of youth uh bad news is it's in butts <laughs> oh and butts come back in a big way later in this episode oh god don't they well this this episode has a lot of problems with butts <laughs> it's true. um but so tim tim has jill and mark go out onto their front stoop yeah give it just just so tantalizingly close to showing us what the front of this house looks like so, yeah it was the widest shot we've had of the the front door uh, yet. Yeah. And in a true Clark Griswold fashion, Tim flips the switch uh, to a blinding light, which was like a legitimate blinding light on set. It wasn't even effect, really. Yeah. It was like, it was just like they pulled open the stage doors and let the Burbank sun <laughs> blaze in through the window yeah. onto this. I feel like uh, they were actually wearing welder's goggles yeah. to, to protect her eyes. Because because uh, Tim, in true Max Fisher from Rushmore fashion, also gives his subject safety goggles before he turns on <laughs> the lights and tells them to not look directly at the snowman. That's uh, uh, true. And so off. So the gag is the lights are so bright that they can basically be seen from space. And to get us into the opening credits, a snowman, a little frosty the snowman. Happy birthday! Oh God! I, okay, he didn't say that, but I, I'm sure they wanted him to say happy birthday. <laughs> Pops up into screen, winks at the camera, and then and then we go to the credits. Uh, you know what? Maybe maybe Frosty has my memory because on New Year's. Eve, we we celebrated New Year's Eve together, and um, I instead of saying Happy New Year, I said Happy Birthday to you. 
But fortunately, uh, I was pretty inebriated at that point, so I really don't remember. Um, I was just too busy trying to get in the air tonight to sync up perfectly with time. <laughs> Maybe this is all just early signs of dementia. Maybe by the end of this podcast, I'm not going to remember what episodes we've done and we haven't. Uh, who I, you are. That seems highly unlikely, given that I can't even remember all three of the boys' names. So if anything, we both have dementia, <laughs> and we're aging gracefully together, like in the movie The Notebook. Aw. Um, I'm Amy Adams. <laughs> Uh, she's not in that movie. She's not? No. R- Rachel McAdams is. Rachel McAdams? Okay, well, now li- <laughs> now listen. This is entrapment. Everybody's got similar sounding names. It's the boys on Home Improvement. It's the cute women from movies. <laughs> also, Amy Adams is in every goddamn movie. She is. So, so sue me for taking a shot in the dark. Uh, I won't. Because I don't have uh, money to buy a lawyer. And I would buy one. I wouldn't rent one. <laughs> That's why you don't have any money, man. We need to talk to you about your spending here. You're like Nicolas Cage. Um, so we got the theme song. I really like the idea. I don't know why it, it popped in my head here. You know, Anchorman 1 was in the 70s. Anchorman yeah. 2 was in the 80s. Uh, I like to think that maybe in the interim between Anchorman 2 and a possible third one, they haven't talked about it, but uh, Ron Burgundy was... Um, uh, moonlighting as the jazz flutist flautist for uh, ABC Studios. Hey, so you just picture him during the opening credits, him just stomping around the studio, kicking stuff over. And... Exactly. Dan Foley art, just like, we should have hired <laughs> anyone Duke else. Silver. But um, it's like, ah, oh, we should have hired someone else. But on the other hand, that jazz rocks so hard. <laughs> it's true. It's exactly what we need. The theme uh, gives way to taking us back uh, to the Taylor house. Yeah. And, and I notice uh, we get some red titles instead of blue titles. I, I know. And we get a nice Christmassy music cue as we come into the <laughs> uh, as we come into the house. Did it include sleigh bells? I believe it did. <laughs> ching, 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 ching. That's what sleigh bells sound like. Exactly <laughs> that. Yep. That's the same say. Oh man, I've got to get some change out of my pocket. Jing 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 jing. Oh, I've got to pull up my guitar and start jamming. Jing 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 jing. <laughs> oh man, uh, just don't pull that slot machine handle. Jing 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 jing. I didn't even guess their names yet. Oh, ah, jokes. Um, you know what I noticed in this uh the scene? What? And, and actually, over this course of the season. Uh, but it really hit me in the scene, is that they're getting more intricate with the camera work. Yeah, they, they really are. Just like with last episode, that kind of pan over the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I noticed just like there there are more close-ups, like that, that special boom that they have can get in uh, for better close-ups near the front door. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, an interesting shot of Tim that was almost a reverse shot, and you get to see the, the invisible wall of the set. Yeah. It's just because the, they broke the... It's not even the three sixty rule, but the one eighty. Like, what's the what's the degree rule for sitcom television? I don't know the I, ninety we, degree rule. We could make something up. I mean, I don't know who's really going to fact check us here. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, I don't know. That was that was strange to me. So in this scene, uh, it, it just basically picks up right after where where they left off with all the lights on the front lawn. Uh, the boys are coming in. Uh, Brad and Randy are back from. Uh, they've been going around the neighborhood with coffee cans, collecting uh, charitable donations for some local community center or children's center. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're tell- telling uh, Jill and Tim that uh, oh, everybody, everyone in the neighborhood is standing outside on the front lawn. They all seem pretty unhappy about uh, about how bright all your lights are. Jill is trying to prepare dinner. She's trying to run the blender, and every time she turns it on, it like all the lights in the house go <laughs> yeah. out because so much power. 
is perhaps too much power, perhaps <laughs> more power than he should have used, is being drawn to the front uh, lawn. Too much power. Yeah, that could be the name of this episode. What is this episode called? Oh, uh, this, ep- well, do you want to guess? Yeah, I do want to guess. This episode is called... It's actually, I'll give you a hint to yeah. kind of refine it a little bit. Yeah. Um, it goes, it falls back on the better titles that is a play on words. Okay. Uh, um... How Brad and Randy Almost Stole Christmas. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. I like it, too. It's very descriptive. <laughs> um, this one is a little more concise. It's, I'm scheming of a white Christmas. That's really good. Isn't that a fun one? That is that is a wonderful Christmas gift from the writers of Home Improvement. I'm yeah. scheming of a white Christmas. And you know what? They almost had coal in their stocking because last week's episode, which we did not address, yeah. it's called Abandoned Family. abandoned family oh okay because the woman gets a job outside the house then she abandons her family wow home improvement you are really lucky that we forgot to discuss this on last week's episode because i would have had some opinions (laughs) and uh unfortunately we've already broken the the gender (laughs) discussion case oh man Uh, so we can't have that uh that nice little breaking glass sound but we're gonna have to vacuum that up so we'll have to play the dust buster sound effect (laughs) all right ching 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 we gotta fix that (laughs) dust buster it's really weird that it makes that noise put some lube on it um <laughs> uh but they send uh jill sends uh brad and randy upstairs to uh i guess count their count, money count the money yeah, or, i don't prepare. know if she sends them up there to do that but that's what they do yeah they go off to do that um, yeah but we get a whole new set we do get a whole we get a snowball transition where like a bunch of snowballs get flung at the screen and then the screen flips yeah. away and presumably then, because all the neighbors are angry at tim for the yeah, yeah, because he's he's got a, he's sticking his head out the door when that happens. Yeah. But yeah, then we go into the new scene, ushered by a by a flurry of snowballs, one yeah. of which flies into the garbage can in Brad and Randy's room. Yeah, they share a room, and this room is like an M.C. Escher like <laughs> paradise for children. I was so jealous of this room when I was a kid. Uh, I, it's, I'm I jealous mean, of it now. I even had a few of the things that are in the room. Um, there's a, uh, a tiger's trash can in yeah. there. Mine was the Pistons, but it was the same design and same, you know, whoever Michigan, local Michigan craftsmen yeah. uh, were making it. Um, so it was very nostalgic for me to see that. I, th- what this made, there, so there's a Seinfeld episode where Kramer comes in and is saying, oh, Jerry, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to totally redo my apartment. It's going to all be levels. Yes. Just like different levels. And that's kind of what Brad and Randy have going. Like yeah. they're. Their beds are elevated an unnatural height off the floor. Like, their beds go, are flush with the floor. They're like captain's beds or whatever with drawers underneath them. There are these big, like, tiered steps going up to each of their beds. And, like, th- there's weird outcroppings from the walls that mm-hmm. mark that Randy walks along at one point to shut the door. I, I want to just give uh, some attention here to Jonathan Taylor Thomas as a performer because I feel like he really embodies that room. I can't oh, imagine yeah. that uh, John Pasquin was giving him the direction to, you know, walk around the, the set to like, he climbs over Brad at one point to shut the door rather than just walking over to the door. He kind of climbs over the whole set to, to shut it in the way that a kid would like, yeah, I watched that as a kid and that's what made me want that room. It, it, it really, uh, he's a natural. Yeah. It, it, Jonathan Taylor Thomas brings some real kidness to this role. And that's not yeah. to take away from the other two whose names I can't remember <laughs> after all this time. Because they're good, too. It's yeah. just, 
Jonathan Taylor Thomas, it's like this This comes to him uh, uh, intuitively. Yeah. But so they're, they're counting the, the cash that they got from the charity. And uh, and in the first... Now, now, first problem, why are you letting the kids take the cash they've collected and count right. them? Like, what step in the... Pro- what purpose does it serve for them to be alone with the money before giving it back to you? <laughs> you know, the 90s were a more naive time. Uh, when crime rates lot- were higher. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um... You know, kids were allowed to do stuff on their own. I mean, they let them go with shotguns to the park, so... <laughs> well, they've got the shotguns to stay safe, obviously. Oh, fair, yeah, it is Detroit. Yeah. Um, just getting Detroit. Uh, but there, there is an interesting turn here. So they're counting the money, and uh, they end up having $90.24. And Brad says, wow, that's in one day. Can you imagine if we did that five days a week? We'd have almost $200 by the end of the week. This marks a turn for Brad's character mm-hmm. uh, into a kind of a, a dum-dum. He's a bit of a dum-dum. Yeah. And they're going to play into that a lot more from here on out. You know, I feel like the seeds of this were planted in a season one episode where where the whole kid subplot is that uh, Brad got a bad grade and Randy got a good grade and Brad feels dumb. And they're, they, like, play with it a little bit there, but then yeah. it's been forgotten kind of until this when he says... right. The obviously dumb thing. But this becomes the butt of a joke. This, like, becomes, uh, you know, Al's sensitivity. Oh. Uh, so it, like, comes to define him a bit. Um, and I just thought it was interesting to see that first, like, intentional <laughs> step in that direction. Do you, do you think this is the episode where they decided it was going to happen? Like, they in writing the Christmas episode, it's like, hey, let's make this kid stupid. <laughs> uh, probably not until they heard how big of a laugh it got. I guess. Also... I mean, Mark always seemed like the dumb one to me. Mark is well, still ratting on everybody. There's a difference between dumb and gullible. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, so the, the the mix of the kids then is is a conniving puppet master, a dumb one, and a gullible one. And what better uh, brothers could you have as a conniving? mastermind than a dumb one and a gullible one? I, I suppose that's good. That is really the power combo for Randy. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so some of the other stuff in this, uh, this scene there, um, Brad's reading a Rooster Man comic, which is not a real thing. That's too bad, because I would be a fan <laughs> if it was. <laughs> and is, is his, is his superpower getting chickens pregnant, or like, <laughs> knowing, knowing what time the sun is coming up? Yeah, it's just to purely annoy people at dawn. <laughs> <laughs> the gritty reboot of Rooster Man is called Cock Man, which is also a grinder nickname. <laughs> Picking up that uh, fruit off the floor. <laughs> so it's a little low hanging. It's not even hanging. It's just it's on the floor. It's rotting. It is. We're, <laughs> it's ba- the the grapes are down there and they're turning into wine. <laughs> uh, the other thing is uh, they decide that with this money they can get Barbarian Two for Game Boy, which this is one of those things in fictional works that always kind of like is jarring to me where they take something real but then apply something fake to it Mm -hmm. barbarian 2 is not a real thing unless it's maybe a japanese import that i'm unfamiliar with yeah they're super into indie (laughs) japanese games i don't know they could have some sort of conan the barbarians (laughs) knockoff over there that they import here in a different name who knows Mm -hmm. um so that that's always weird to me that they actually address that a game boy although game boy was so ubiquitous in the 90s that you can't really get away from it the okay so there is one more plot point i want to get to but i do want to mention uh, did you see the new Binford product in uh, the Binford train? <laughs> the Binford model train. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I you know, well okay. Now it could be a model train with just 
like a Binford. They put a Binford, Binford sticker. They, they put Binford branding on the boxcars the way that they put like Union Pacific branding on oh, okay. boxcars. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you, you like? You prefer the idea that Binford makes their own model trains? I just I don't understand what Binford is anymore. I, I <laughs> it, it made sense to me when this show started. It has grown into this empire of just. Binford isn't a thing. It's more of a feeling. It's kind of a state of mind. <laughs> Binford, Landon, when you wake up in the morning and you open your curtains, that's Binford. Uh, Binford <laughs> is your first sip of coffee <laughs> after after a long day on the road. Oh, I kind of feel like the uh, the grunt creep is like walking. It's like, almost like Blue's Clues, uh, <laughs> hosted by the grunt creep, and the grunt creep is putting Binford logos over all of the clues throughout the episode that we need to assemble into something. Well, yeah, you you gotta just figure out all of Binford's clues, <laughs> and that leads you to either some sort of prize or some sort of really grisly murder scene where something got transitioned. <laughs> to death <laughs> maybe that's it maybe the the grunt creep is the only place that knows where randy keeps the bodies no. <laughs> and it's down by the train tracks that's that's the real uh that's the real spinoff of the show it's randy and the grunt creep doing uh doing you know making a murderer no, now that no sounds like a 70s show randy and the grunt creep <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like bj and the bear <laughs> yeah it's okay you know, you play against type. You'd think Randy's the trucker and the grunt creep is the crazy animal that lives in the cab with him. But no, no, no. No, the grunt creep drives the truck and Randy is the psychopathic uh, serial killer child who is always going out and killing people in every town. And the grunt creep has to set things right. <laughs> I, I kind of like the idea of Randy being the truck driver because that would lead me to believe that he is the, the truck driver in Duel, the Steven Spielberg movie. It's just <laughs> that it's just a precocious little boy who's yeah. running this guy off the road again exactly. and again. And then and then maybe he goes on to marry Large Marge. Oh, wow. And kills her and that's why it's her ghost. And and fucks up her face. Oh my god. This whole this just got a whole new level to it. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um okay well speaking of randy we're gonna go a little nef less nefarious don't <laughs> and but still stay in the sociopathic realm here i i just don't like it when you look at me that way and say speaking of randy <laughs> uh, go on uh he is um looking at all this money and he can't help uh his greed and he's talking about well maybe you know dad gets uh you know gets paid every week blah 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 blah, blah. and al does all the work and al does all the work um, you know, we wore our shoes out walking around here. You know, I think we, you know, I'm just going to take a little out for business expenses. And it's telling me, Brady, and, and we saw last week's episode, he's got like, he's trying to sell this gingerbread house that might kill people. Yeah. He's already got this entrepreneurial spirit, uh, this kind of corporate takeover uh, mentality to him. He, he puts me in mind of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character in Nightcrawler, who is <laughs> both a psychopath, but but like he doesn't... He's a psychopath, but he's very much driven by monet money and yeah. like and success in business. And you know, he he really wants to build status and accumulate money. Like the killing is incidental to that. He'll do it if he has to, but right. it's mainly about getting the points. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Randy, Randy man, Randy man, <laughs> Randy, Randy man, the Candy man. Yes. Oh, I can't say Randy man one more time. Uh, or or he'll come. No, you're not. You just don't be looking in a mirror. That's all I'm. <laughs> oh, that's, that's I'm right. Saying. I forgot. I need yeah. the mirror. Um. But this scene uh, gives way to uh, the set of tool time. Yes. Uh, again, maybe not after hours, maybe after hours. I it, think it's it's during the day because they're shooting a promo. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's behind the scenes. Yes. That's what it is. And also, the, the, the transition to this scene is some kind of weird teardroppy, snowflakey, fuck it, who even cares? <laughs> but but we cut to the scene, and the first thing we see is Maureen standing in front of this wintry backdrop, and, and it's framed in such a way that it looks kind of convincingly like she's outside until yeah. she runs forward, and you see, no, it's just one of the standy things at the tool time set. Yeah, the mat paintings and it i don't know i i liked that it reminded me there's one shot in the movie the lost world probably the only good shot in that movie where it, we cut from a girl being attacked by dinosaurs on the beach to a shot of uh jeff goldblum standing there just smiling with a bunch of palm trees behind him <laughs> oh, and, right. and for a second it seems like jeff goldblum has just been there watching this girl get attacked by dinosaurs the whole time <laughs> until he walks away and he's actually in the subway in front of a tourism poster <laughs> right uh, so, so yeah, that was very relevant, and I think it was well worth taking time to tie that in. Um, but we get Maureen again. Yes, Maureen is is you know I'm glad that that news radio lady cashed some checks off this appearance. <laughs> Thank you, Lewis, man. Yeah. Um, this is her third appearance uh, in a season, which I think uh, again, even Karen didn't do in the first season. And yeah, again, we're eclipsing Pamela Anderson here. She's yeah, out Pamela doing... Anderson is okay. So. Um, this is going to Pam's corner now. I'm going to mention this in the in the next tool time scene that we get. We do see Pamela Anderson a lot more vividly than usual on the the calendar. Um, okay, and this is but relatively here because it's a small relative, calendar yeah. in the background that we were both looking for. Um, but they haven't given up on her. There was a stocking on the fake fireplace that said Lisa on it. Oh man, that's just now they're just teasing us it's with this just shit. Rubbing it in her face. Yeah. Um that stocking got more screen time than her. <laughs> it's it was it was strange. But yeah. uh let's let's go into a Pam's corner. Okay. Man, we got uh, like we just oiled this thing last <laughs> week and already with this garbage. Um okay, this is a <laughs> this is a, a strange one. <laughs> oh good. Um Okay, <laughs> Finnish ma- magazine, as in a magazine from Finland. Oh, okay. It's a Finnish Wait. magazine called Image. Oh, okay. It's, it wasn't called Finnish magazine. No, it's called Image magazine from Finland. Okay. Uh, released an article which uh, discovered that uh, Pamela Anderson is related to a few famous Finns. What? <laughs> uh, she is related to former presidents of Finland, uh, Urho Kikkonen and... Kikkonen. <laughs> Juano Coivisto. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you chose this to read on the air. I clearly <laughs> did not prepare for it. Uh, also, Finnish Prime Minister Maddie Vanhanen. Yeah. Uh, Finnish composer Toivo Kula. And uh, to the Finnish parliamentarians Rosa Mary Lainen and Esko Aho. So she's related to like all of Finland's government. <laughs> <laughs> like not essentially, a, not any Finnish painters or actors or models. It's all like prime ministers and and members of Finland Congress and whatever else. Uh, it's true, and she's Canadian, so I I want to venture that she's a pretty nice person. I see. It seems that way. Well, you know, I'm you know Finland is is my my place of of national origin. I mean, not mine personally, but my grandparents way far back. I did not know. I would have assumed uh, German. Uh, yeah, well, because I'm such a such a, a taskmaster, because the watches I build are so precise. No, because you keep doing the Nazi mustache every time we talk. <laughs> wow, that is an upsetting stereotype. 
Uh, you know, actually, the, the Finnish who, who uh, fought valiantly and fiercely against the Nazis during the Winter War, they actually, I have it on good authority, they would all do that little mustache thing to mock the Nazis. Oh, is and, that what you've been doing? And they would be so busy crying that their tears would freeze in the snow, and then the Finnish would kill them. <laughs> Nazis were very thin-skinned, just as they are today, actually, as well. They both very fragile feelings. Uh, Okay, well, so that's interesting, though. I mean, what I take from all of Pamela Anderson's Canada and Finland connections is that this, like, really, she's wasting her talents in beach-oriented television. (laughs) She should be competing in the Winter Olympics, because who are the two biggest Winter Olympics powerhouses? It's... Finland and Canada. And Russia, if they are ever allowed to compete. Yeah, well, well, drugs are a hell of a drug. You can do a lot of things when your body is 90% amphetamines. You heard it here first, folks. Drugs are a hell of a drug. Yes. <laughs> I, had to, I had to balance out my, uh, my support for medical marijuana last week by oh, going God. really off the rails this week. Um, which is why I signed my petition for medical crystal meth. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been this week's Pam's Corner. Okay. It was a good little corner. It was all right. Um, back to behind the scenes of Tool Time. Yes. Um, Maureen really wants uh, uh, Tim to wear this elf hat uh, because Al is dressed as Santa Claus. Is dressed as Santa Claus, which leads me to question, who's going to be Santa Claus in next year's? Yeah, I mean... Because uh, Wilson was Santa Claus oh, in yeah. uh, season one's Christmas special. Now it's Al, but Al Al is just Al in a Santa suit. Yeah. Al is not supposed to be actual Santa the way they, they did with Wilson. True. I have to imagine that they're going to skate around Tim ever playing Santa Claus on this uh, show because... <laughs> Of the Santa Claus movies? I mean, well, as soon as they, like, what is it, uh, a couple seasons after this when they actually start, then it will, I mean, we might, if we're going to see it, it might be next year is the only year. Yeah, true. Uh, Although I would venture to say that we're more likely to see uh, maybe Jill as uh, Mrs. Claus? That seems pretty likely. Um, Also because there's just a better setup for a sex joke there at the end of the episode. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, or but she could be the Mrs. Claus and his Mr. Claus. Who knows? Yeah. Or uh, also maybe Mr. Binford comes back playing uh, Santa Claus. Also, why isn't there a, a horror movie called Santa Claus, but it's C L A W S? Oh, it's got copywriting to... it right now if it doesn't exist. The, yeah, that's how copyright works. You say it on your podcast. <laughs> it's law. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's law. Slam the gavel. Kink, kink, kink. <laughs> Man, we, everything in here. It, we need a new foley artist. <laughs> Uh, Dan Foley artist. <clears throat> I love that that I think of a joke and I'm like, no, that's too dumb even for the podcast. That then that then you pick it up out of the trash <laughs> and put it back in the trash with a worse joke. Um, you, you pull it out of the trash, you serve it to everyone at dinner, and then throw it back in the trash. <laughs> Bring everyone down with me. So uh, Maureen is kind of implying or uh, impressing her her new producing. What, manifesto, skills, skills yeah. whatever, yeah. Uh, on Tim and uh, trying to get him to wear this elf hat to Al Santa because mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be recording a promo, um, which they do record at the end of the scene. That promo is a highlight of the episode, even though it means absolutely nothing. Uh, also, as far as promos go, not a good promo. Uh, wh- why? What was your complaint about the promo? The fact that they don't really say the name of the thing they're promoting? Yeah, there's about, I don't know, 15 seconds of dead air? It seems more like 30 to 40 <laughs> seconds of dead air up front. Um, I don't know. It's uh, playing on Wayne's World <laughs> that came out right before this episode. I, okay, well, to, just to get up to the promo, basically, uh, Maureen is like, Tim, you have to wear the elf hat. 
and also we booked a musical guest for the show. Uh, Tim is, Tim thinks, oh, is it those barking dogs who bark Christmas carols? Which was a big thing in the 90s. I, I guess. And she says, in, no, instead something else that was a big thing in the 90s, the Manhattan Transfer. <laughs> and, d- which, so many things wrong with this for me. I mean... Yeah, let's hold off on the Manhattan yeah. Transfer till they actually appear on this show. Okay, but, fair. Um, but so then I'm I'm with you with that. So she so she sets all this up and then says, "Okay, go shoot the promo." So uh, Tim and Al have kind of an argument yeah. about you know Al is all dressed up as Santa. Tim's wearing the elf hat. Al does have um, right below his Santa belly his tool belt on still. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh man, that's good. With blazing right in the center, the Binford tape measure. <laughs> They are. They're really, really pushing the Binford product in this uh, this season. It's it's a shame that Binford doesn't actually exist because they probably could have aired this show commercial free. Like if Binford was a real thing, <laughs> it's gonna be one of those sole sponsor Seriously. TV shows like they had in the fifties. Yeah. Like Leave It to Beaver is brought to you by All Cigarettes. Yeah, they just <laughs> just one person puts up all the money. Um, and yeah, Al. The only note I have here is that Al is just loving being Santa Claus. Oh. He is so in the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. He's handling well. Yeah, he's having his fun with it now. He does not have as much of a jolly time True. later. Yeah. So take us to to the promo here. So they go out and and they have some little argument and they both run to this big cherry red snowmobile that is serving as their sleigh. And uh, Al gets to it first, so he jumps on and he's on the driver's seat, and Tim is riding behind him wearing his elf hat, and they've got a blue screen behind them. Yeah. And so Maureen calls action, and the camera pushes in on them, and then the blue screen behind them uh, starts showing, like, aerial footage of snow-capped mountain, like, yeah. flying through snow-capped mountains. And worth mentioning that Tim has uh, also jerry-rigged a button that will uh, start sending snow out. Yeah, but it'll blow fake snow on them as they go. Yeah, just to give some atmosphere. Yeah, and so the idea is that this promo will look like the two of them are riding, you know, dashing through the snow, basically, on a flying yeah. on a flying snowmobile. Yeah. And it it's really funny. It yeah. looks very funny purely because of how nuts it is. Like, it's not funny on its own merits, but the, <laughs> yeah. the the fact that you're just sitting there and in the middle of this episode, there's a good 20 silent seconds of the two of them just mugging in front of... <laughs> it really does feel like what should have been at the outtakes uh, at the end of the episode. Kind of surprised that there weren't... That none of this shows up in the outtakes, probably because they used every second of footage that they got. <laughs> yeah, although I guarantee that there's there's some blooper probably on the, the disc that we're going to look at uh, of them cracking up during this. Because, I mean, Al... Uh, Richard Karn in particular looks like he's cracking at every second, but he's got oh, that yeah. nice Santa beard uh, to cover it. Yeah, that, that covers for a lot of ills. <laughs> um but so it's just it's them mugging on the thing for a good long time with with all these snowy backdrops behind them and snow and and Tim pushing the button to blow snow on them. But then uh then the backdrop behind them changes as Al is doing his lines. So it's like <laughs> into like B52 bombers. Yeah, it's like fighter jets and Tim is reacting to the fighter jets and like throwing grenade over his shoulder at them. <laughs> yeah. Which, if you're being chased by fighter jets, chucking a grenade over your shit, that's not, not going to do much. How you do, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin some poor guy's day on the ground, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but you're not right. going to cook that grenade to explode right in front of the plane, unless yeah. you're triple X. Uh, <laughs> so it's fighter jets, and then it's like cowboys. It goes to like uh, stock cowboy footage, yeah. And Tim pulls out this big uh, rifle and starts shooting behind him. Yeah. 
and waves and then he's surfing yeah i'm surprised they didn't do a godzilla thing they probably did that's probably in the bloops <laughs> um and so there are all these different bits and what i will point out is a does this mean that tim went in and edited the stock footage that they were going to screen behind them and b does this mean that tim timed out in his mind memorized specifically how long each segment was yes. And then turned, because to him... He's probably this, watching himself on the monitor. I guess, yeah. Okay, you're right, that's fair. So he's not just guessing it. Yeah. Um, really what it is, though, I mean, this scene is probably 45 seconds to a minute of just them sort of mugging in front of the, in front of the blue screen and pretending to ride this thing. And Tim doing his typical, it's supposed to be one thing, but it's another. Yeah. And it was funny, and uh, you know I'm going to pull some fun gifts from that. Oh, and, oh yeah. Um, but it really had no bearing on the episode. Just one of those like dalliances that <laughs> they tend to do with these it, things. It's just a thing, you know. Yeah. It's just a moment in time, um, and a place, and, and a and a time. I don't have another Rooney Im- impression in me. Not Fair. you know. Let's let's respect the dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well that that takes us to uh, a scene back home. Yes, uh, where Randy and Brad have gone back out collecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim's just coming home and accidentally sits on a uh, a glass box of ornaments. Yeah, and we get my favorite line of the episode. <laughs> Where Jill is uh, inspecting Tim's uh, Tim's ass with all the broken shards in it, and she goes, "Oh, you sat on a uh, a reindeer. You got an antler up your butt." <laughs> That's good. I like I like the accent, I like the little flavor you put on that. Uh, I I'm this is really treated for laughs by them as though he's just bonked his head, but when really. Tim has a bunch of shards of glass in his butt. I mean, this is the ass version of John McClane in Die Hard. This yes. is no laughing matter. Uh, it's true, but you know what? The la- uh, audience laughs anyway. And and he comes, he bounces back from it pretty quick. They just scrape the the ass. Up. They scrape the gra- the glass out of his ass. <laughs> they they run outside. Uh, yeah. to do this, and mm-hmm. uh, Wilson's out there. Um, the very first thing I noticed. Yeah, Wilson has a menorah. That an electric menorah in his backyard. What does this say? What does this mean? Well, uh, I mean, Jesus was a Jew. Yes. So his dad was too. Well, how does Judaism work? I don't know. Well, it's passed down through the mother. So te- I guess oh. Mary would be Jewish, right? But this is probably how it works. <laughs> well, th- but, I, but like, th- this is what's crazy because if Wilson is Jewish. He still wishes them Merry Christmases, and he shows up dressed as Santa he last year. He has a year. Santa Claus co- costume somewhere stashed in his house. I mean, and you know, well, okay, and the new season of Mystery Science Theater raised this point that it would kind of make sense for Santa Claus to be Jewish because, I mean, what is he but a very successful merchant who makes children's <laughs> toys? And I mean, you know, and uh, whatever. I mean, that's the thing. I'm just putting it out there. Um, <laughs> it was just not what I expected. Like, that... That seems like too big of a character beat to just be one piece of set dressing that nobody mentions. Yeah, it was very bizarre. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe they were trying to be more inclusive of everyone. I mean, the producers of the show, not just Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, You know, well, I mean, probably it would also be fair to assume that at least some of the producers of the show might be Jewish themselves. Or someone yeah. who works on the, on the show yeah, might be, yeah. So, I guess, you know, it's a shout out for their own crew. Yeah, but, I mean, in terms of our... <laughs> theory that wilson's god um i i don't i mean i don't even know i don't say i don't think that invalidates anything i mean yeah, maybe I to wilson so it's like he created people he probably created all the religious beliefs they have maybe he thinks Fair. that yeah. 
it's like, oh, well, it's an interesting tribute to a religion, and it's a good source of light, neighbor. <laughs> and we, we speculated as much uh, at Halloween for, uh, you know, the pagan beliefs. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. I'm on, I'm on that. You know, my family, we, we light a menorah every year. We don't believe in, in any of the gods, but we <laughs> just do it because, I don't know, it's like worth doing. We get sure. a Christmas tree, so we balance it out by doing a menorah. Uh, but there there are two other peculiar things about Wilson in this scene. <laughs> Only two. Only two. He's wearing a different hat. Oh yeah. He's not wearing his little Gilligan Island hat. Yeah, it's more it's more cappy. Uh it's definitely more like an outdoor woodsman cap. Uh yeah. it, sans ear flaps. Mm-hmm. Um but it's like a little, you know, wool wool cap. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing is Wilson uh says at one point that he has a little bottle of rum from the airlines. That yes, because Jill was apologizing because she got him the same kind of cheese that she and Mark got. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm sorry the cheese was so tiny. And he goes, oh, I enjoyed it with my little bottle of rum from the airplane. From the airplane. Yeah. Where's Wilson flying? And when? That's it. Maybe he flew to Borneo like 40 (laughs) years ago and just kept a little bottle of rum for a special occasion. Does does rum uh, age? I don't think it ages, but it also probably doesn't go bad if it's in a vacuum-sealed one-shot bottle from... Yeah, you know, the airline. <laughs> I don't know. My very first drink was, uh, I don't know, uh, someone came over and we, we snuck some schnapps that was <laughs> tucked away. My parents are not drinkers. Mm-hmm. And uh, the schnapps was easily from the 70s. Oh, yeah. So it was like 20 years old. It was opened. Uh, oh, Jesus. Oh. And <laughs> it was it was uh, not good. And that was your last drink, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so... My cousin, when he was a teenager, uh, in in his uh, mom's house, she had uh, yeah, a full bar, and she she would buy peppermint schnapps because she had one friend who liked peppermint schnapps, Aww. and so whenever he came over, she would have that so he could make a drink with it. Uh, but it just barely ever got used, and this friend didn't come over very often. So one time, this guy does come over, and my aunt, uh, you know, gives him the schnapps so we can make a drink, and he. He pours himself some, and he takes one drink of it and kind of makes a face and puts it down and doesn't drink the rest of it all night. And so finally, after he leaves, my aunt takes a taste of the schnapps and realizes it's basically water with, like, a little bit of peppermint schnapps in it. Sure enough, my cousin, uh, at age, I don't know, 15 or whatever, in the (laughs) 70s, had been uh, drinking the schnapps himself and refilling it with water, knowing that it would almost never get used, (laughs) which is a straight-up Randy Taylor move. Oh, that's way Randy. Um, Uh, Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Wilson, I mean, it's, this is just a very cordial scene. He's mm-hmm. not giving any advice. Uh, it's, it was actually kind of nice to see Tim and Jill both out there yeah. talking to Wilson, both um, being confused by him. Yeah, and uh, they go inside, and this is where they find that Brad and Randy have been stealing. Yes, because uh, they've already used within a day, maybe the money uh, that they they have siphoned off of the charity funds. Yeah. to buy. Um, the Christmas presents for the family. Yeah. Uh, they bought Tim this really expensive watch. They ended up buying Barbarian 2, a boatload of Rooster Man comics. Yeah. Uh, a locket. Which Jill assumes is for her. <laughs> nope. And also also the way that they get, that, that the parents get clued in that um, Brad and Randy have been stealing is that right before, you know, earlier they're talking to Brad and Randy and they say, oh yeah, we made $5 today for charity. Right. And then they go outside and they're talking to Wilson and he says, oh yeah, I gave your boys $10. It was everything I had. And then they realize, oh, they must be skimming half of it. Ah, gotcha. Which I was is a... distracted by the menorah. No, that's, that's fine. These things can be, uh, these things can be confounding. <laughs> that's why there's a co-pilot. Uh, 
But yeah, so Tim and Jill have found, um, you know, they found the boys' goods, and then they've gotten this this information from Wilson, and yeah. so they uh, they confront Brad and Randy when they get home, show them all the stuff that they've taken, and the boys are both caught red-handed. Jig is up, and uh, you know, this is when when Randy. I was watching Randy's face very closely when he mm. first realizes that he's been caught. And I was looking for any sort of sign that he was about to just hit this fuck it point where he, like, smashes a vase over Tim's head and just <laughs> runs. runs, jumps on the next train to the next town to start over as a whole new kid with a Hops new family. That, that Binford caboose. <laughs> the Binford the Binford Railway is, is his, is you know, that's what transports hobos from one part of uh, Michigan to the next. Uh, lots of uh, fodder for him to kill. Hmm. So you're watching his face. I'm watching his face just for any indicator that, that uh, yeah, that he's hit his fight or flight response. But no, he shows some remorse, or at least he shows something that resembles remorse. He that he's has learned to mimic and pretend. Yeah, yeah, real he, human emotion. Yeah, he he does. He he contorts his human mask into a face uh, that looks like a one of sorrow. Um, and they give they give him you know a pretty harsh talking to here. Yeah, yeah. They they tell him they'll have to do extra chores to earn back the money that they yeah. spent. They have to go return all the stuff that they bought. And then take all of that money to the charity that they were donating to and tell the people there what they did. I do want to take a moment to uh, mansplain and correct Jill. Uh, okay. She calls them, before they come home, she calls them Bugsy and Babyface. Um, while Babyface was a notorious bank robber, Bugsy was not. Oh. Bugsy was just a mafioso. Oh, yeah, uh, you're Just right. a gangster. He helped develop uh, Las Vegas. He didn't rob banks. I could see Randy, though. I could see, I think that is very... Uh, representative, though, of of what mm. they're two different things. I think that Babyface, uh, if we're assuming that that is Brad... Yeah. More uh, impulsive, the more... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't take as much brains to rob a bank, especially back then. You basically just walked in and got the money and left before the cops showed up. Truman, the master criminal. Uh, whereas uh, <laughs> uh, Bugsy setting up an entire casino economy in yeah. the desert where there are no resources to do so, that is long game criminal thinking of a very randy nature. You're right. So, no, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to take down your mansplaining to Jill or anything. I'm just saying that from where I'm sitting, no, it, no, the comparison I, makes I sense. I completely agree with you. Um, Actually, it's Bugsy's monster. <laughs> uh they they unravel Tim and Jill unravel the the goods that uh, Brad and Randy have been stashing mm. um, the the locket which Jill assumes is her Christmas present uh, but nope it's for Jennifer yeah uh, so they're still together yeah I mean that's good to hear we haven't seen Jennifer in a good long time it's not since Halloween it's been you know three oh, months man. yeah they've been together for a while I mean for a middle school relationship this they've been together impressive. for like a year and a half yeah I know a middle well yeah middle school relationship years are kind of like dog years like every every week is like two and a half weeks <laughs> or something uh, my middle school relationship lasted five weeks yeah okay you could have fit three relationships into the time that uh, <laughs> that Jenny and Brad just haven't seen each other. Yeah, and we broke up because I was too afraid to kiss her. Oh, well, that's tough, man. But I had a girlfriend at 12. Hey, man, hey, 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 look, tell you, it's the best thing that ever happened because she couldn't, she wouldn't have been able to handle that. You know, you probably would have killed her with that kissing you were going to do, knocked her socks right off of her body, and you don't need that rap on your record. Uh, Can I quote you on my grinder profile yeah yes absolutely this <laughs> right. grinder profile let me like look i'm not on grinder but i think that the more text you have the less inclined people are to swipe left on you uh, or right on cool. you great yeah well considering uh i'm not gay and don't want to mislead them i think yeah. that's probably a service yeah yeah you every time you open the app it's like great no matches this is <laughs> saves me a weird conversation <laughs> 
just here to browse. Um, just, just here to tease. <laughs> I got I got to get uh, tips for my my dating profiles by oh. looking at how other men have successful profiles on theirs. Oh yeah, yeah. You're basically it's just it's just the latest form of getting advice from a gay guy about how better to pick up women. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and so, but they they tell Brad and Randy that they have to go spend the rest of their night in the in their bedroom. Yeah, but in um, their bedroom is so totally dope that's really not a punishment yeah, at all. Really not. That was never a good punishment for any parent to give a kid. I mean, that's where my Super Nintendo was. Oh, you uh, had you had a TV in your room. You I lucky had a TV. Bastard. I had a I had my own phone line. What I know. I listen. You, I'm an only child and an only grandchild, so oof. I have the stamp of spoiled brat on me and i am fully aware of that you see i i too am an only child and an only grandchild i didn't have a oh. tv in my i mean listen i didn't have a tv in my room and i didn't have a private phone line i did however have a computer in there with broadband internet in like the year 2000 so <laughs> that right. was i mean that was well worth it yeah fair um brad and randy go to their bedroom but before we we watch them in their remorseful whatever we get our episode of Tool Time. Oh my god. We get our performance. Yeah. Of the Manhattan transfer. Why, though? Well, we get a wanted poster transition, like where the screen, the image on yeah. screen flips away like a page, and on the opposite side of it, it's a wanted poster with Brad and Randy's faces <laughs> on actually, it. Actually, I thought it was kind of a clever transition. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. <laughs> but uh, there's a there's a brief Jerry spotting. He, he's, oh, yeah. He's way off on the, just in the, the opening shot to the scene, it's that big crane shot, mm -hmm. and uh, Jerry's off on, uh, you know, in the wings where he normally is. You've you got a real good eye for Jerry. <laughs> um, so the whole set has been built up for Christmas. There's a fireplace and stockings hung up with care and all of that stuff. And Tim introduces the Manhattan transfer who yep. come at, well, first he says, we couldn't get the barking dogs to this year, and everyone goes, ah. Oh, God, this Manhattan transfer. It, the the dynamic Oof. of this I can only equivocate to, uh, like QVC level. <laughs> I, but yeah, banter. Like, I mean, it is bad. Well, it's what Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon made fun of for the Rose Parade yeah. on New Year's Day. They, they come out. Well, hey, the the Manhattan transfer. The four of them come out and they're all barking like dogs Ugh. at first, or at least one. Like one of them is like she's ad libbing and no yeah. one else is in on the joke, and. Also, it, it, the the guests they get on this show, it's so confounding to me. You've got uh, the, the, the George Foreman and then the Manhattan Transfer. These, peop these people have even less to do with home improvement than George <laughs> Foreman does. Uh, it's true, but I guess they have to do with the season? I really don't know Manhattan Transfer beyond this episode. I, I do know Manhattan Transfer because my parents are white yuppies, and they, listen, <laughs> they listened to a lot of it growing oh, up. Shit. And there's... Now, fortunately, our Christmas playlist we don't really listen to as much, but that was very Manhattan Transfer heavy. We only had Manhattan Steamroller. That, it's Manheim Steamroller. Oh, man! I just pulled a Tim Taylor. Yeah, Manhattan, a Manhattan <laughs> Steamroller. I don't want to know what a Manhattan Steamroller is. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, you got to go to one of those those uh, old porn theaters that they used to have in uh, in Times Square for that. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> can, can you spell that? Um, and no, just... So much of the Manhattan transfers music. I mean, their their whole thing. It's a it's some of the whitest music in the world. And I grew up listening to Steely Dan, and <laughs> and even by that by that measure. Uh, measure, yeah, it's so to actually see faces of the Manhattan transfer and to see them kind of like bantering with Tim, and 
it's like Tim's banter is especially forced with them, and they they have more charisma than the Andretti brothers did, but they they don't like something in the it all comes across so smug in every joke that oh, they tell. Like so bad, yeah. they're talking about, oh, we're gonna be singing the yeah, or like Tim says, yeah, you're gonna be doing it without uh, without instruments. You're gonna be singing acapulco, and they say, actually, it's acapella. And, <laughs> oh God! Or, or like one of them is named Tim, and one of them is named Al, and and Tim goes, <laughs> oh, so he assists you, and it comes to a dramatic close up on this member of the Manhattan Transfer <laughs> saying, I don't think so, Tim. I I hate to interrupt because. We are running long on this yes. episode, um, but we'll just we'll just throw Christmas special on the end of it, and uh, people will think it's a special. But um, I have a story I have to tell. I used to work at Sam Goody. Yes, and so many good stories from these years in your life. For those of you who don't know, you youngsters out there, oh, Sam Goody was a record store in which you would buy at the time when I worked there mostly. CDs. Uh, uh, now, a CD was like an MP3 <laughs> that was shiny and could get fingerprints on it to break it. <laughs> um, and I had a coworker who uh, came in for the holiday season because he was uh, away at college uh, most of the year. But his favorite band was Rockapella. <laughs> and <laughs> he, he never missed an episode of Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> <laughs> that was my only experience with Rockapella until I met this guy. I have listened to Rockapella now, and it has formed a very specific personal hell for me. <laughs> Rockapella is I, – I would rather listen to Manhattan Transfer on loop for a year than an entire Rockapella album. <laughs> really? It's So what makes Rockapella worse? Um, it's, it's just an indescribable – um, if you can have nails on the chalkboard, but the chalkboard is your soul, whoa, and the nails are like hepatitis infused needles, <laughs> but you're using a lot of vivid imagery right now. <laughs> is, is that's that, what Rockapella is? Is it that it's so cheerful and wholesome and kind of doo-woppy? It's like they took they they took all of the things that you like about rock and roll but then squeezed all of the stuff that makes it rock and roll That's out of it oh, kind of yeah a part of it that kind of pod people version of rock and roll uh that just like grates on me but it's done without instruments mm-hmm. so there's this just added level and there's almost like a hubris to it of like thinking we're so good <laughs> We have such finely tuned instruments, which are our voices, and we're going to trick you into thinking that this is real music. <laughs> it just it it boggles my mind and it stirs my rage. <laughs> I hate it so much. It, it makes you it ma- Merry Christmas, everybody. It makes you so <laughs> angry that there's people out there who are like, hey, you know, you know what's really going to improve this rock music? If we took out all the electric guitars and all the drums. <laughs> Well, heidly ho, Grundheads. It's me, Truman, uh, talking to you alone, uh, without Landon here, flying solo for once. Uh, you probably have a whole lot of questions right now, because Landon and I were just right in the middle of an extensive takedown of the band Rockapella, and then all of a sudden, uh, our, our sound just died, and now you're hearing me just sitting here talking to you. Uh, so what happened is this. Uh, I was editing the episode, and even though when we recorded it, I saw the full recording finish, uh, when I got around to editing it, it seems like the last five minutes or so of our episode were cut off. Uh, so I don't know who to blame for this, 
but I'm definitely pointing the finger at either Rockapella or the Manhattan Transfer. I think that they are both thin-skinned and very omniscient and good at uh, taking out the people in the podcasts who are trying to uh, drag them over their doo uh, uh form of uh, 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 musical what-have-you. Anyway, uh, so having discovered this, I can't just leave the episode uh, half-finished, so I'm just going to jump in here solo, mano a mano, and conclude the show myself. A real Flight of the Navigator situation, a real, a real Mr. Mom, a real abandoned family. Uh, so the first order of business that we uh, handled on the show but you were not going to be able to hear is the grunt count. This episode's grunt count was eight. Eight grunts which is uh, far fewer grunts than last week, and uh, even fewer than uh, last Christmas's number of grunts. So, th- think about that. I can't really make effective banter about it on my own, but needless to say, it's worth discussing. Uh, the show notes for this episode will be posted on our website, which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode, please share it wherever you can online. And every time you share us, we'll donate to charity in your name and only steal half of it. Um, when you share it online, also mention that not every episode ends with one of the hosts awkwardly coming in at the end and, and trying to conclude the whole thing on his own. Uh, on our website, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter whenever a new episode is available, and you can also follow us on the various social media places at GruntworkPod. Your your Twitters, your your Instagram, your uh, your instant coffees, your Insta uh, whatever's else. Again, typically Landon would have rescued me from this terrible joke train that I'm going down. So with that, I've been Truman Caps. And I've also been Truman Cap sitting in for Landon Solano, and this has been the malfunctioning ending to an otherwise great episode of Grunt Work. I'll see you next week with Landon. (laughs) 